John chapter 21. I'm reading verses 1 through 14. We'll put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read it aloud. And then at the conclusion of the reading of the scripture, I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God. And you respond back, thanks be to God. And this is what it says. Later, Jesus himself appeared again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. They set out in a boat, but throughout the night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? And they answered, no. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they did, and there were so many fish that they couldn't haul in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, for he was naked, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they weren't far from shore, only about a hundred yards. And when they landed, They saw a fire there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter got up and pulled the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. Yet the net hadn't torn, even with so many fish. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples could bring themselves to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Who among us, living here in the South, hasn't heard a good fishing story? Or maybe even told one or two. A fish tale? As it were, it's even a colloquialism now, right? For a story that may not be exactly factually accurate. But good fishing stories are good because of the details. The interesting details. A little bit of humor maybe some exaggeration i was raised on fishing stories on fish tales it it's in my blood my uncle jimmy literally wrote the book on it I, i'm not kidding my uncle jimmy jacobs wrote books and on trout fishing in north georgia maybe if you've been a part of this congregation for any length of time you would if you think about fishing you would think about susan burdick Susan passed away about a year ago age, at age 80. And Susan and um, Joan Moore were known here affectionately as the fly fishing gals right? because of their love of fishing, fly fishing in particular, their willingness to teach other people how to fish. 
And boy, did they have some fishtails to tell. For my money, I think this is the best fishing story ever told. And again, what makes a good fishing story is the details. It's the little things. Like take, for instance, the fact that when this story begins, we hear about who's there, who went fishing, right? If you're going to tell a fish tale, if you're going to tell a fishing story, you've got to name all the people that were there to corroborate your story for you, or at least to give the listener a good sense of what's going on, who's in the room, or who was on the boat. So there's Simon Peter, Peter, Petra, the rock, the person whom Jesus said of, you are the rock upon whom I will build my church. There's Thomas called Didymus, who was the twin. If you were here last Sunday, you heard Pastor Stacy open up for us some understanding and perspective about doubting Thomas and the relationship between his doubt and his faith. And there was Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, and we know that Cana of Galilee is where Jesus performed his first miracle at that wedding, turning water into wine. And then there was Zebedee's sons, the sons of thunder, James and John, two of the roughest hombres in town back then. All these followers, disciples of Jesus, it matters when you name the names of the people that you're living this life of faith with. Especially in this moment and time after Jesus' death and miraculous resurrection and appearance to his disciples. This event that changed their lives and changed the course of human history. And then just like that, he was gone from their midst, John tells us in chapter 20. And they have this sense of all that they've experienced, all that they've seen, all that has happened to them, their lives have been changed. Now what? It's like Jesus handed it to them. And in fact, that is exactly what he has done. Now what? They're looking around at each other and, well, Simon Peter does what you might expect him to do. He says, I'm going fishing. Have you ever said that? <laughs> Any f- fishermen in the room? I'm going fishing. Now, if it's recreational fishing, you could say that probably for a couple of different reasons. Fed up, tired of it, had enough, I can't take it anymore, I'm going fishing. Or, I've, I've worked hard, it's been a good week, I've got an open Saturday, the sky's clear. I'm going fishing. Now, of course, for Simon Peter, this wasn't recreation. This was vocation. He was a fisherman. So, I mean, he was going back to work. I'm going fishing. So we find him and and these other disciples, many of whom were fishermen by trade, we find them in this moment where they've had this experience with Jesus that they're still trying to fully understand and process and, and maybe they don't know what to do. And so they're going to do what they know how to do. Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm getting back to work. I wonder if there aren't moments in all of our lives when we have this experience of faith, we have an experience with Jesus and, and it 
shifts us, it shakes us on some real deep tangible level and we're not sure what to do with that that he's handed to us in our lives and and so what do we do well we go back to what we know how to do we go back to work or get back to our committee meetings or get back to our calendaring sessions or get back to the activities that just are the things that come naturally and normally to us all the while in the back of our head what's rolling back there is something miraculous has happened Something has changed the way I see life and the world. God has done something here, and I don't know what to do with it. And, and so Peter goes fishing. And, and fishing, in fact, for Jesus was, was a metaphor that he carried and used with his disciples uh, throughout the Scriptures. You know, when Jesus called them to be disciples, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. From the very outset of their ministry together, of their following Jesus, they had fishing in their minds as something that was related for them in their vocation, but also in their faith. And here's Peter trying to make sense of it all, and he says, I'm going fishing. And all the disciples say, well, we'll go with you. So out they go to fish. To get back to the work that they know how to do. After this incredible resurrection experience, this amazing Easter that they had, not sure about what to do with it, they get back to work and they go fishing and they fish all night and catch nothing. This is where my Uncle Jimmy taught me the difference between fishing and catching. When we go together, he says, You fish, I catch. They were doing a lot of fishing and no catching. Fished all night long. Now remember, not recreational fishermen, vocational, professional fishermen. They weren't fishing for fun or for trophies. They were fishing to eat, to make a living, catching nothing. You ever been fishing and caught nothing? Yeah? Thank you. The honesty of a few of you in the room. That's a humbling experience. Frustrating. And maybe it's not fishing for you. That's your thing, your pastime, the thing you enjoy to do or whatever. But have you ever spent your time working hard at something that you enjoy? Or as a job and it feels fruitless? Like nothing's coming of it. Certainly not what you were hoping for. I got to tell you, as somebody who works vocationally in the church, and I'm going to expect an amen out of Pastor Stacy and Alan and Bill and Alexis and Linda and all of us, Dennis and Aaron that work in the church, trying to pastor and lead a congregation in ministry during felt a lot like fishing all night long and catching nothing. Maybe you can relate to that in the life of the church. We've been out here fishing in the dark. And it feels like we're not catching anything. Maybe it's not the church life where this has application for you. Or maybe it's your professional work. Or maybe it's at home. Or in a relationship. Or figuring out what you're going to do with your life. Or maybe it's 
that thing that you carry and deal with that nobody knows about. Maybe there's grief or shame, pain, addiction, loss. We all know that feeling that Peter and the disciples had when they fished all night and hadn't caught a thing. Trying their darndest, fishing the way they know how to fish. Hey, we've been doing church the way we know how to do church. Never mind the pandemic, but just in a world and a day and an age where things are changing, it feels like faster than they ever have, and we're out here fishing our hearts out on the left side of the boat. All through the night. Then the scripture says, early the next morning. Boy, does that ring a bell from two weeks ago? Early on that next morning, Jesus appeared on the shore, and they didn't recognize him. And he calls out to them, children, have you caught any fish? No. Well, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. Now, how would that feel as a professional fisherman? Do this for a living. I've been fishing for years. I've put food on my family's table, roof over our heads. We've been catching fish my whole life. And I'm out here fishing all night long, no fish, and some stranger walks up on the shore and goes, you caught anything? No. Well, I've got an answer for you. <laughs> Let me tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> How would that feel? He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. I don't know. Maybe as a professional fisherman, as people who've been doing this for a long time, as people who know how to do this, and we've got this figured out, and here's how it works. Maybe they heard that, and they thought, how dare you offend our expertise? Or maybe, maybe as seasoned fishermen who had hit their wits end in the moment, maybe as people who had just had their lives changed and their worlds rocked by the amazing, miraculous resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, maybe they were at a place in life where they were open to hearing a little bit of advice. And Jesus said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. And they did. And they brought in more fish than that net could hold. Now, again, these were professional fishermen, so we got to understand, it wasn't like just sitting out on a boat with a rod and reel, right, and you're just casting over here, and so I'll just go over here and cast. I mean, they knew what they were doing. They had a whole rig. They had their nets. They knew how to position themselves in the boats. They fished off the left side of the boat on purpose for a reason. And this is how they did it. For them to fish off the right side of the boat, that was, that, again, that wasn't just pull your bait in and go over here. They were completely changing the way that they fished. To go off the right side. Now you're using your left arm as your dominant arm to pull instead of your right. Have you ever tried to write with your other hand? Are you right-handed? When's the last time you wrote left-handed? How'd that go? Go home and try it if you haven't done it lately. I mean, completely turned it over on them. Hey, church... Maybe it's time to fish off the right side of the boat. 
for us as a church, for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been trying to make sense of what God is doing in the world and in your life, what this resurrection means for you, how your life has been changed, transformed, how you've been delivered and saved, and you've been trying to figure out how does that fit, how does that work in my life, in my world, in my vocation, in my home, and you've been working at it on the left side of the boat as hard as you can, doing what you know how to do, doing the way you've always done it, and man, it sure feels like you're not pulling up any fish. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to fish off the right side of the boat. Jesus knew where the fish were. Now, he used that metaphor for his disciples when he called them and said, I'll make you fishers of men. So there's something in this about the church and there's something in this about God bringing people to God's self to come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ and the church being a part of that work, fishing for people in our community, calling people to know Jesus for themselves, calling people to be a part of the work of God's church here at Shambly. There's also probably something in here just for you and me personally. What are you fishing for? What have you been looking for in your life and in your faith and you haven't found it? What have you been struggling to have and to know and to experience with Jesus? Maybe it's time to fish off the other side of the boat for it. Jesus knew where the fish were. They were all around him. The fish were all around him. They're all around you. Do you know there's Swedish fish in your pew? Do you know that in the pockets? Right in front of you. Grab one. If there's not one right in front of you, there's one there. You didn't even see it, did you? Didn't even know it was there. No, this is not Easter candy from five years ago. They got left in a pew. We put these out this week for you. Didn't even know they were there, did you? We, we talked. I'm sorry. We'll get you some. It's for you. They're all around you. Do you hear me, church? God's people, God's children, the fish that Jesus called his disciples to catch, to share the love of God with, are all around us. All that we would see them. And maybe to see them, it's time to fish off the other side of the boat. So enjoy it. Take it. Eat it. If you don't like them, give it to somebody else who does. And I have to get them out so they don't be the candy that's still there five years from now when we're done. So if you want to hit the pews and get a couple more on your way out, help yourself. But this is how the story ends. The story that we just read. They get all this fish. And when John, God bless Jesus' beloved disciple, he calls himself that. He wrote the book of John. He calls himself the beloved disciple. God bless John. When they pull in that load of fish, he goes, that's the Lord. That's Jesus. He's at work here. I see him. And he tells Peter. And what does Peter do? Peter jumps out of the boat, doesn't even have time to put his clothes on. Says he's naked, jumping into the water. Hey, I don't know. Was he naked? Because that's how they fish. They, maybe he only had his, actually they say he probably only had his loincloth on. They didn't want their robes getting in the way of all the nets. So he was back at work. He was hard at work. He wasn't even dressed to follow Jesus. He'd gone back to work. Or maybe he's naked because what does it look like to be that open and vulnerable for the Lord and say, here I am, all of me. Good, bad, and ugly. The stuff I'd rather hide. Here I am, Lord. But he jumped into the water. Church, it may be time for somebody to jump in the water. 
You see Jesus, you see the Lord at work, you hear his name, he's calling your name, it's time for you to get in the water and get to work. And what happened with Peter, he jumped in the water and it says the other disciples followed along. When people around you see that God is at work in your life, in your ministry area, they see you jump in the water and go, they see the fruit of that labor, they see the fish coming in, they'll join you. Before you know it, you got a movement. And the way the story ends is they bring that big catch of fish up to the shore. It says 153. Were there really 153? Did they count each one of them? Maybe so. They're professional fishermen. Or maybe it just means there were a bunch of them. I read one commentary that said that's how many nations they thought there were or people groups at the time in the world. So that the 153 might have represented in the writing the fact that Jesus is telling them to cast that net worldwide. Catch them all. But they bring that great load of fish to the beach early in the morning and Jesus says, come, have breakfast. Have a bite. Enjoy it. Come on. He had the bread and the fish and he's feeding his disciples. Don't you think that rung a bell for them? Doesn't it for you? When Jesus fed thousands with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish and it says he broke the bread and gave it to him. Don't you think that rung a bell for them? That Passover meal that they shared with Jesus the night that he was arrested and put on trial and eventually crucified and then raised from the dead. That, that Passover meal that we celebrate as communion when we share that meal in here together. Don't you think that struck a chord for them? That the very one who can feed thousands, who can do the miraculous with just a few pieces of bread and fish, the very one who said, I'm giving my life so that you can live. He was in their midst and he was changing their world and he was calling them to fish. And he said, they're all around you. It's just time to throw your net on the other side of the boat. Oh, child of God. Called by God. Led by Jesus. Inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's go fishing.